Holiness is what I long for. Brokenness is what I need. I don't know about you this morning, but I long for the holiness to be like God, to be in God's presence. But in order to do that, sometimes God has to break me. He has to break us so that we can have a broken spirit and a contrite heart. God says in his word, he says, sacrifices I do not require, but what I do require is a broken spirit and a contrite heart. And I pray this morning that even in your brokenness, that God is allowing holiness to expand your soul. Can we give God praise this morning just for being in his presence this morning, for being in his sanctuary? Good God Almighty, wherever God's presence is, that's your sanctuary. When Moses was out uh, in the wilderness on the backside of nowhere, he ran into a burning bush and, and he walked up to the bush. It was being burnt but not consumed. And God spoke from the bush. You know what he said? Moses, take off your shoes for the ground. Watch this. The ground which you're standing on is what? Holy ground. Wherever you're standing and God is speaking, that's holy ground. And so this morning, I thank you for letting me come in on holy ground and being in your living room and being in your house and in your office, in your dormitory, wherever you are this morning. Thank you. Can I pray for us this morning? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that holiness is what we long for. We long for holy relationships. We long for holy connections. But Father, we realize also that you require brokenness to have healthy relationship with you and even with others. So Father, this morning, I pray that you would hide me behind Calvary's cross that somebody might get a glimpse of Jesus. Father God, we long for holiness. We long for healthy relationships. And God, we pray that God, you would help us to get over it, to get over hurt, to get over burnt relationships and betrayal in our relationships and teach us how to navigate through those uh, turbulent times. So Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that somebody would be able to see Jesus, hear Jesus today. Uh, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. There's a word from the Lord this morning. I thank you all for tuning in uh, this morning for our virtual worship. Uh, we are still connected. We are still together. Ain't nothing changed. We are right here and we are going to get through all of this together. I want you to get your Bibles out this morning and gather everybody in the living room. And listen, do me a favor. This is so important. This message I'm about to give is talking about how to navigate through relationships after you've experienced betrayal. So do me a favor, would you please hit somebody up right now on your Facebook page where it says share, uh, go to New Direction Christian Church Facebook page right there where it says share. Uh, I'm getting ready to preach this message about uh, getting over betrayal in relationships. Somebody you know uh, has been in a, in a bad relationship or have been hurt in a relationship, and you can share this with them by simply clicking on that button for people in your messenger, people in your groups, uh, and share it on your page. Come on, be great uh, electronic evangelists and do that. And then for those of you on YouTube, same thing. We're even on Twitter. So there's no reason why some of your friends and family can't share with you in this message. And some of y'all need to start a little watch party on your Facebook page. Invite some people to watch this sermon with y'all and y'all can dialogue in the comment section just in your own little watch party. So with having said that, I want us to look this morning at the gospel according to Luke chapter 22 verses 27 through 34. The gospel according to Luke chapter 22 verses 27 through 34. And the word of God reads this way. Who is more important the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. 
for I am among you as one who serves. You have stayed with me in my time of trial, and just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you, sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Peter says, I'm going to ride with you, Jesus. I'm down with you, Jesus. He said, Peter, I've been praying for all y'all because the devil wants to sift you as wheat. But after you have recovered, after you have turned back, go strengthen your brothers. What I want to talk to you about is who really has my back? Who, who, who really has my back? Listen, one of the most uh, needed things that we have as human beings, according to what I told you the first Sunday in January, uh, as human beings, we have five basic needs uh, that need to be met. And one of those needs is security. And security simply asks the question, who really has my back? Who's watching over me? Who's going to protect me? Who's going to stand up with me? All of us as human beings have that need. When you're a child, the first person or persons who have your back are your parents. As a baby, you are so vulnerable. You can't defend yourself. You can't really feed yourself. You're depending on the mercies of your parents to protect and to offer you security. And when it is that you don't get security from your parents, when people grow up and they miss some of that from either their mother or their father or both, my God, it sets up a narrative and a person that don't nobody care about me but me. And it's so detrimental that, that young people early in their development, they get this sense of security because like I said, it, when you're grown, it causes you to act like, I have to depend upon myself because ain't nobody going to help me. That's a bad place to be in, right? It's a bad place to be in. And so we got to be able to, to learn uh, how to depend on other people, even though, watch this, we've been let down in some place. I had to learn the hard way that, that you can't trust everybody because everybody doesn't mean you well. But here's the truth on the other side of this. As Christians, our greatest command is to love people. So pastor, how can I if, I, if I, if I'm not supposed to trust everybody, how is it that the greatest command is to love everybody? Because I believe that the word is correct, that we're supposed to love everybody. But I also believe that you can't trust everybody. So how do those two work together? Like this right here. Love everyone, trust a few. Love everyone, but trust a few. What do you mean? People have to, people have to earn trust. And, and, and trust is not, it's not given, it's earned. 
And we have to discern who it is that we can trust. That is a, and that's a smaller number than all the people we're supposed to love. You can, you can love everybody, but it doesn't, need, doesn't mean I have to let you in my inner circle. Doesn't mean I have to, 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 to risk my vulnerability with everybody because everybody is not equipped to handle all of who you are. God has select people who he wants you to walk with and to trust and to be available and vulnerable to, but he also wants you to love everybody you come into contact with. Those are two different things. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? Yes. I must warn you that to think that you, I must warn you this, to think that your closest friends, Lord help me preach today, to think that your closest friends will never let you down and never hurt you is a false notion. Yes, sir. Trust is always a risk. Yes. There's always a risk in trust. Lord have mercy. Yes, and the more you've been let down in your earlier years, the harder it is to trust in your later years. Yes. Wow. And so you have to understand that have a realistic expectation that people are human and humans will let you down. Yes, sir. It's just part of who we are as, as human beings. Tell me one person that you've been in a relationship that has never let you down. The only person I can think of is Jesus. Because even my parents may have disappointed me because they may have said something but forgot not because they were evil, but because they're human. Yes, sir. Or my spouse may have said something or done something, and I'm like, ah, oh, that hurt, you know, because you're close to me. But they're human. Yes, sir. All of us have experienced some kind of letdown in our lives. Um, I know you've heard me say over and over again, when people show you who they are, please believe it. This is true, but there's also times when people let you down. And you have to give them another shot. Uh, this is going to be this is going to be different. I, I ain't going to holler today. I'm just going to talk to you. I said sometimes people close to you will let you down and you've got to give them another shot. And then there are people who let you down. That can't come back. How, how do you know the difference? Let's go to the text. Jesus is talking with his disciples on the night in which he is to be betrayed, and he's trying to make sure he's clear on how he wants them to manage relationship one with another. Uh -huh. They are jockeying for power at the last minute. They're asking questions like, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, uh, who's going to sit on your left and who's going to sit on your right? And they're getting mad at each other and jockeying for power. And Jesus says, look, the people of this world, they worry about the things y'all worried about. Who's going to run this and who's going to have this title? Who's going to do that? He said, and they lord it over each other. He said, not so with y'all. I've taught y'all different. There's a new, there's a different paradigm. He says, for example, he says, when you sit at the table, who's more important? The people sitting at the table or the person serving the table? And they're like, people at the table. Of course, that's the way it is in the world, but not so with you. He said, I'm your servant. I'm waiting on you. I'm, I'm at your table serving you. I'm the son of God and I'm serving you. I'm the son of God and I'm washing your feet because I want to model for you that the greatest among you shall be servant to all. Yes, sir. And then Jesus goes a little bit further. He says, because, watch this now. He says, because you have shared with me in my trials, when I come into my kingdom, you will sit at the table with me 
and you will judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Jesus is talking about the, the end time when they will come into heaven and the world, whole world will come before God. He says, because these 12 men, these 12 disciples have shared in the trials of Jesus, they have watched his back and he has watched theirs and they, they have earned his trust. He said, y'all will sit with me at the table uh, in heaven. But, but right now he shifts, he shifts all the way over to, to Peter and gives him a warning. But before I get to that, let me say this. If people cannot suffer with you while you are at your worst, they shouldn't expect to sit at the table with you when you get to your highest. Jesus says, because you have been with me in my trials. Come on, somebody talk to me. Do you have any friends um, who were there in good times? When you had a good job and you were making a lot of money, they were there, right? But when you went to a low point and you went through trials and tribulations, Jesus started out popular. Everybody loved Jesus. They were getting healed by Jesus. They were bringing their babies and sick people. He was so popular. And then toward the end of his ministry, it flipped on him. Him and he said something controversial. Many of his disciples left him and he even turned to his disciples and said, y'all going to leave me also? And Peter says, where else can we go? You have the words of life. And, 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 and Jesus follows that up with this speech he's given them. He said, because you have shared in my trials, because you've been in my lowest point, you're going to sit with me at the table. Let me make this clear to you. People who only want to glow with you but not grow with you uh, are, are, can't be sitting at the table with you. If you can be there when I was being criticized and accused and lied on, please don't look for me when I, when I rebound from where I'm coming from. Good God Almighty. Some, some, some people will leave you while you're on trial and being crucified, but then want to come and try to stand with you at the resurrection. I need some people who were there through it all. And Jesus says, because y'all are going to share in my trial, you're going to share in my resurrection. But he says this to Peter. <clears throat> he says, Peter... Peter, he says his name twice. You know when you're in trouble when your mama calls your whole name? He calls Peter Simon. He, he, oh my God, I didn't, that, this ain't even in my notes. This, somebody out here must need to hear this. Jesus doesn't even call him by his name he's given him uh, as a result of growing. He goes back to the name he had when he met him. He calls him Simon, Simon. And Peter like, because you remember when, when you remember when Peter, uh, Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And, and they said, some say Elijah, some say Moses. He says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke up and said, you are the Messiah. You are the son of God. He said, blessed are you, Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. I will call your name Peter, which means rock. And on your confession, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But in this instance, before Jesus is getting ready to be betrayed, he calls the man by the name when he first met him, Simon, Simon, because he's trying to explain something to him. He's trying to explain to him that he said, Simon, Satan has asked to sift y'all like wheat. Now watch this, he's talking to Peter, but he's really talking to everybody. Then why does he single Peter out? Because he knows that Peter's strong enough to handle what he's getting ready to say. And sometimes God picks his strongest people to say the toughest stuff. 
You, you can't be thin-skinned and, and, and be one of Jesus' closest disciples. Lord, Lord Hammers, help me. Everybody is not called to be in your inner circle. Peter was in his inner circle, so he knew he could handle it. But he said, I want to tell you, Peter, and all y'all listening, that the devil has asked permission to mess with you. Did you know that the devil has to get God's permission before he can mess with you? If you go back to the book of Job, Satan comes into the assembly of God one day and he's, and he's an accuser of the brethren and he comes and says to God, the only reason Job worships you is because you got a hedge of protection around him. If you take that hedge away from him, if you let him lose some stuff, he'll curse you to your face. And because God, Hammers, because God knew the character of Job and Job had walked with God, he says, you can try him if you want to, but I know him. I know Job, he's going to stand strong regardless. So I'm giving you permission to take it, but don't take his life. You can't take his life. Can I help you real quick? God trusts you with trouble. He trusts those close to him with trouble. He was going to allow the devil to try them. Is there anybody this morning, you've been in a season where you're wondering, why is all this stuff happening to me? Why, why am I going through so much trouble? It's because God trusts you with trouble. God trusts you. He knows your character. He's seen you walk with him. He, he's, seen you, he's seen you in action. He knows you can handle it. But watch this. Jesus says something else. He says, Peter, I have prayed for you that you might not fail. He wants to sift y'all. God, help me. In this pandemic, the devil wants to sift us. He wants to separate us from the love of God. And the, but that, yet there's somebody praying for you that you might not lose your faith. He said, Peter, I'm praying that your faith won't fail. Do y'all hear what I'm saying to you right now? It's so easy to say, God, I'm with you and I'm going to follow you and I'm going to serve you and I'm going to keep coming to worship. Don't worry about me, Pastor. I ain't going nowhere. I may not be in the building, but I'm still here. But all of that, all during this time of pandemic, the devil's been trying to sift you, been trying to mess with your mind, trying to make you lose your faith. And before you know it, you start becoming distant and being separated from the person you said or the, or the church you said or the relationship with God you said, I will never leave you. Peter started denying the fact that he was going to betray Jesus. He said, no, if you, if you go to jail, I'm going to jail. If you die, I'm going to die. And Jesus says, Peter, keep it 100. Before the rooster crows twice, you will have denied me three times. Listen, he tells them that the devil wants to sift them. The devil has asked permission, but Jesus says, I have earnestly prayed for you that you, your faith will not fail. And Peter, watch this. When you turn back, when you repent and come back, he says, strengthen your brothers. Jesus, good God Almighty, Jesus knew who was going to let him down. He already knew who was going to betray him. As a matter of fact, at dinner that night, he says, one of y'all who dips your hand in the bowl is going to betray me. And he told Judas, said, is it me? And Jesus looked at Judas and says, friend, what you do, do it quickly. And see, all the other disciples did not know what this meant. They thought he had to go run an errand. And as soon as Jesus spoke that in his spirit, uh, Judas was convicted and, and the Bible says he left out in the night. Good God Almighty. And you've got some people who you thought was friend 
and they left out to betray you. See, there's a difference between Peter and Judas. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But I want to stay on Peter for a second because Jesus tells him, when you turn back, he says, go strengthen your brothers. Uh, Jesus goes deep in the conversation to his disciples. He singles out Peter and he tells him, you got you to remain faithful, Peter. I'm, I'm praying for you. It's something, something's getting ready to happen. He's giving him a warning of what's getting ready to happen. It's so easy to tell God that we're going to worship him and serve him when things are going good, when we got a job, we got money in the bank, we got friends, when everything is going great. But Jesus says, I see what's getting ready to come your way. I know what's getting ready to happen in your life and I'm interceding for you so you won't fail when the devil tries you. That's why it's so important to be connected to have a covering in a church where somebody's praying for me, the, the apostle is praying for me, the, the pastors are praying for me, the elders are praying for me, the prophets are interceding for me. Are you in a place where somebody's praying for you because this thing right here that we're all going through called the pandemic, this will cause your mind to be sifted if you're not rooted. Huh. Jesus looks at Peter and says, when you have turned back to me, repentant, Come on back. Here's the first thing I want to tell you. You only go back when something is different. Jesus tells Peter, when you have turned back. Turn back from where? He had turned away from Jesus. I mean, he, he was getting ready to turn away from Jesus. I, I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself, but if you fast forward, Peter does deny Jesus. Y'all all know about that. Uh, when, when Peter denies Jesus. But Jesus has the foresight to say, when you fall down, and you will. I want you to turn back. And the word turn back means repented. Yes, sir. And it means converted. Peter had walked with Jesus for how long? At least three years. Peter was one of the inner circle of Jesus. But Jesus says, after you fall, turn back. And, what, and the word turn back means to repent. It means to be penitent. Uh, there's some synonyms for penitent. It means apologetic attritional, compunctuous, uh, regretful, repentant, sorry. He says, when you truly are apologetic, when you're truly contrite and broken, and when I can see that you really are repentant of what you did wrong and how you failed, he says, I'm going to be here for you, Peter. You can come back. Jesus already saw that Peter would be broken and that he would come back, but that's the only reason he said, come back to me because he saw that he would be broken. There are some people that are going to let you down and if they're remorseful and, and repentant over what they've done, then you are safe to allow them to come back. But that's not the case with everybody. It's not enough that they apologize, but they must show the fruits of repentance. You, sorry just ain't gonna get it. I, I, gotta, I gotta check you out. I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta inspect the fruit. And if I don't see any repentance and brokenness and I hear excuses and I keep seeing the same behavior that you did to hurt me, then I don't have to let you back in. That, that's, that's something that has to be earned and something that you have to show as a fruit of repentance. Second thing I want to say is there's some betrayal that you can't come back from. What you need to know today is that there is a difference between Peter and Judas, even though both of them let Jesus down. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? 
I said, there's a difference between Peter and Judas. Both of them, both of them let him down. Well, what's the difference, Pastor? Judas asked Jesus' ops, how much money will y'all give me for me to, to turn him over to you? Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? He, he said, how much y'all gonna pay me to betray him? And they said, we'll give you 30 pieces of silver. He said, all right, do you know in the Old Testament 30 pieces of silver was the price of a slave? If a slave was gored by an ox, the person had to pay the owner of the slave 30 pieces of silver. After all of this time of walking with Jesus, all it took was 30 pieces of silver to, to, to betray his, his, his rabbi, his, his teacher, his friend. The, the people said that, that Judas used to sleep on Jesus' chest. When they, when they were out in the wilderness, that, that they were so close that he slept on him. But here he is saying, how much will you give me to, what does it take for somebody to betray you? How much value do they have in your relationship? How much did it take for them to do what they did to you? When you, when you see how people devalue you and they, and they let you down to get something they want, there's some things you can't come back from because you showed me how much you valued me the whole time. But he also, watch this, ha, he also had an opportunity to repent. After he realized what he had done, Judas had the chance to repent, but you know what he did? He killed himself. He took the option of repentance off the table because he refused to go back and tell Jesus, I'm sorry. He instead took his own life. That's Judas. What about Peter? Did he let Jesus down too? Oh, no, no, no. Didn't he let Jesus down too? Yeah, he let him down, but here's the difference. Ah, oh, God, help me. Peter was repenting and broken over how he had let Jesus down. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? He was repentant and broken. Uh, uh, a, a crowd approached Jesus led by Judas. I got to go back and talk about Judas because how he does this, it's cold, man. It's cold. I, I got to talk, talk about betrayal because some of y'all need to wake up and, and, and see some of the people that you've led in your circle and see how they're moving. He says, uh, I will bring him to you. I'm going I'm to I'm oh take you to the place where we normally meet. <laughs> he was going to take somebody to the place where only him and Jesus knew about. When people, good God Almighty, bring other people in spaces that were sacred for only you and them, that's an ultimate betrayal. Nobody knows about this space. Ah, help me, Holy Spirit. Nobody knows about this space where I can be myself, where I can let my guards down, where I can hear from God, where I can pray. And you have the audacity to bring people who are trying to kill me in the space only meant for close friends. I don't know why this is in my spirit. I don't know why this is in my spirit, but I'm, I'm reminded of Noah when, when he finally got off the ark and he grew a vineyard and, and he had been so stressed by being locked up during the whole pandemic of the flood <laughs> that he got him some wine 
it must have been good because he had another glass and another glass and he got drunk. And Noah wobbled into his space where he could be himself in his own tent. Somebody say in his own tent. Type that in my own tent, in my own space. And he's, and he's naked, passed out. And his son comes in and sees him naked and goes out to get his two other brothers as a joke and says, come, look, daddy's drunk and naked. They walked in backwards and put a cover to cover, put a blanket to cover their dad's nakedness because they didn't want to shame him. And when Noah sobered up and realized the betrayal of his son, he cursed him. Let me help you. You, you got to understand that when people betray you in a way where they expose you in your space, that's not something we can rebound from. This was sacred space. And then watch this. He says, whoever I kiss is the one that is Jesus. So you mean to tell me that you're going to tip them off, tip the police off as to who Jesus is based upon a kiss, an intimate connection between a disciple and his student. Watch this. When Jesus sees Peter, uh, Judas come in with a crowd following him, and he says, Rabbi, and kiss him, he said, for real? You're going to betray me with a kiss? Betrayal comes disguised in intimacy. Some people will kiss up to you just to stab you. You have to be careful that you can discern a good kiss from a bad one. That, that's why it's why, oh my God, that's why it's dangerous to get in relationships solely based on sex. Because you will, ha, you'll be in a relationship with people who are sexing you but trying to kill you. Pastor, you're not in the scripture. You're going too far. I'm not in the scripture, huh? What about Samson and Delilah? Delilah was trying to get some information out of Samson where his strength lied. And she kept asking, where's your strength lie, baby? He said, you know, if you tie my hair up, if you, if you put some bowls in, if you, and she did all the things he took. And, and it wasn't the secret because he didn't really trust her all the way. But one night she says, you have lied to me. You don't love me. And she's laying in the bed with him. He says, all right, if you shave my hair, I'll become as weak as any man. And the Bible says she connocked him. She, she had relations with him. She had sex with him. And he lost all his strength. And she said, wake up, Samson, the, the, the Philistines, are among, your enemies are amongst you. And he woke up, watch this, and thought he would get away as before, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. Because he allowed intimacy, fake love, to set him up for betrayal. And when it is that you don't discern right relationships with people, my God, even the people closest to you Watch this. It only hurts because they're close to you. That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh my God. I, I don't know. Am I preaching? Am I helping somebody? Some of the biggest hurt comes because they were so freaking close to you. And yet we're supposed to love everybody, but trust only a few. Some, who was in Jesus' inner circle? Peter, James, and John outside of the other 12, those were the three closest. 
And one of the peripheral disciples, Judas, is the one that betrays him. And there's no road back for Judas because he kills himself. But the difference between him and Peter is this, number three. You can let, you can let folk back if they turn back. People are going to let you down. Can you write, can you write that in the, in the comments real quick? People are going to let you down. It's just part of life. Newsflash, you're going to get hurt. Newsflash, you're going to get your heart broken. Every young person listening to me, you need to understand that the little girlfriend and boyfriend you got, you, I love him, he loved me. You're going to go through a couple, at least one heartbreak before you find your one true love. I believe because, why pastor? Because it's in the brokenness where you're able to learn about people and yourself. And Peter learns about himself because he, he, was, he was so cocky, he said, uh-uh, if you die, I'm gonna die. And he was, and he was about, about it now. Because when, when the popo came to arrest Jesus, Peter said, oh no, he pulled out his sword and slashed somebody's ear off. And Jesus says, uh-uh, Peter, no, it ain't like that, man. It's not, it's, not, it's not that kind of fight. Because those who live by the sword, die by the sword, put your sword away. And Jesus put the man's ear back on, healed him. And Peter's just kind of stunned. He's just kind of standing there like, for real, man? You going out like that, Jesus? And they handcuff him and lead him away. And all of the disciples, oh my God, help me, Holy Spirit. All of the disciples run away from Jesus. All in folk was talking about they was going to be with him, they going to ride with him. They all left him. And Peter, the Bible says, listen to me real good. Peter followed him from a distance. Yes, he did. Wow. Hmm. Wow. Have you found some distance between you and some of your closest friends as a result of you going through something difficult? There's a danger in people saying they're in relationship with you, but they stay far enough away so people won't know they're associated with you. When we were good, you were all up on me. When, when, when we, the, the crowds were here and people were thronging because Jesus was healing and he was feeding people, you were, you were right there just as proud as you can be. That's my, that's my rabbi. That's, that's my, but as soon as they put chains on my hands and lie on me, you start following from a distance. Watch this. Uh, one of the dangers of this pandemic is that you start following God from a distance. You start following Jesus from a distance. You're close enough to where you can still get the message when you want to hear it, but not close enough to where you have to live it. This pandemic, this virtual experience is dangerous because we think that we're in proximity, but nobody knows you a disciple. Nobody knows you belong to New Direction. Nobody knows you follow Jesus Christ because you have the comfort of following him from a distance. But there's danger in following Jesus from a distance because it's easier to deny him. I believe that's why Jesus said in the word, he said, if you are ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before my father. When some of us get to heaven, we're going to be like, Jesus, hook me up. You know me. I, I was in church singing everything. I tithed. I did this. And, and because you followed from a distance and didn't acknowledge him, he said, you didn't know me and I don't know you. Depart from me. I know you not. So Peter, <laughs> so Peter 
he's falling from a distance. But here's another caveat. I got to sneak this in. It's in the word. It says that Peter was outside the courtyard while Jesus was being interrogated, warming by a barrel with fire in it. He's warming by the fire with all of the attendants and servants of the people who've arrested Jesus. He's warming by the fire and looking at Jesus from a distance and trying to see what's going on without being implicated himself. He, he, he's looking on Facebook and seeing his posts and seeing what he's going through and who's, who's talking about him and all the negative comments, but he don't never comment. He's just out there warming by the fire. And then somebody looks up and says, hey, ain't you one of his disciples? He says, no, I don't know him. And then he, he moves around a little bit. And then somebody else says, no, I seen you with him. He said, I said I didn't know him. And then the third girl, she says, no, you got to be one of his disciples because you talk like him. He says, blankety, blankety, didn't I tell you I don't know him? And at that time when he denies him, the rooster crows and Jesus turns around and looks out the window and catches eyes with Peter. And at that moment, Peter realizes what Jesus told him was true. You're going to deny me. Let me help you. Can, can, I, can I be practical with this? Yes. Why are you telling me about Peter warming by the fire? What's that got to do with relationships? What's that got to do with betrayal? Because watch this. It's hard for me to trust you when you're around the fire with people who are trying to kill me. Jesus, have mercy. <laughs> it's hard for me when you're cool with people who ain't cool with me. I, I, don't, I don't understand that. I, I, watch this. I cannot mandate or control who you're in relationship with. But if you are in my circle, if you are one of my disciples, and you are kicking it with people who are hostile toward the very place or person where you're still getting spiritual growth from, it's going to be hard for me to trust you, boo. I can't trust people who are warming by fires with people who are trying to kill me. How does that relate to you? You got, you, you got to think twice about being in relationship with people who are cool with people who don't mean you any good. Be betrayal, betrayal can set in and you not even know it because good God might help me up here because you're being convenienced by the fire but not even paying attention to the affiliation. It's not beneficial if it's hurting people you're close to. And he turns and he sees Jesus looking at him and he's crushed. Peter is broken and he runs away crying and he runs away and he hides. And y'all know the, the rest of the story. They take Jesus from judgment hall to judgment hall. They beat him, they spit on him. None of his disciples are there. Everybody has gone. And even his ride or die is gone. And when Jesus is crucified, died and was buried, he laid in that tomb for three days. And when the women, good God Almighty, <laughs> When the women got up to go check on his body, see, watch this. You're going to be surprised who comes to see about you after you've been killed. <laughs> God is going to, when it's time to resurrect you and bring you back from what it is that has taken you out, it looked like it was going to take you out. You're going to be surprised who shows up first. It might not be the people who were closest to you. 
It might be some people who are a little bit further away from you, but they are loyal, but they never push themselves into your inner circle, but yet they still been faithful on the periphery. Good God Almighty. Y'all need to open up your eyes because there's some people you've been overlooking who've been down since day one, and you put more attention on the people closest to you, and you've forgotten about the people on the peripheral who are just as important as the people that you allowed in your inner circle, and sometimes it's after the resurrection that you're able to see who was down from day one. The women come and they notice he's not there and then they turn around and Jesus is standing there and he says, go tell my brothers that I have risen. But watch this, when, when, when they run, <laughs> when they run go, to go back and tell the disciples, Peter is the first person that bolts out of the house and runs into the tomb and can't find Jesus. Watch this, I'm telling you, Peter was a ride or die. Peter was that disciple, he's that dude. You want Peter in your inner circle. You want this cat in your circle. When Jesus was out in the storm with the disciples and he was walking on water and they thought it was a ghost, it was Peter who stood up, uh, could barely see who it was, and says, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come out on the water with you. And, and Jesus says, come on, Peter, come on, Cletus, step out then. And he stepped out on the water and he began to walk on water. And But when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink and Jesus had to pick him up and say, oh, ye of little faith. He picked him up then, he's going to pick him up again. Y'all got to help me. When he first called Peter, to be his disciple. Peter had been frustrated, been fishing all night, hadn't caught anything. And he said, Peter, I want you to launch out a little bit into the deep. He says, I've been fishing all night, but because you said so, Jesus, I'm going to do it. Y'all not going to help me. Peter was that disciple, but even Peter let Jesus down. I'm trying to tell you that even the people close to you are going to let you down. But here's the difference. Peter, when he, when he got over the fact that he let Jesus down, the Bible says he went back to his old trade. He tried to go back fishing one morning and he told and because he was a person of influence he told the other disciples to come with him and they all went fishing but because they went back to an old trade when Jesus had called them out to be fishers of men they were unsuccessful in their old trade but it was an escape because of all the pain they had experienced from their, 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 their Lord and Savior Jesus being crucified and died and they didn't know where he was but little did they know that while they were out there fishing and trying to resurrect the old profession that Jesus was on the seashore sitting there by a fire I feel the Holy Ghost he was sitting there by a fire not by his enemies but sitting by himself waiting on his friends to come back I feel the Holy Ghost somebody needs to understand that Jesus is posted up on the seashore of the place where you have not been successful and you tried to go back to old stuff because of the hurt that you have of letting down your close friend but the good news about Jesus is he's a God of a second chance and he looks out and he asks them he says children have you called anything and they said no we've been fishing all night and haven't caught a thing and Jesus says cast your net on the other side and when they do what he says, they catch so many fish that the boat begins to sink. I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to understand that after you've come back from your letdown, after you've come back from your mess up, Jesus gives you another chance. And when you catch some this time, it's going to be more than you caught the first time. And so Peter, when he recognized, when he saw all of the fish, he said, that's Jesus. And he jumps in the water with all his clothes on and swims to shore and falls at the knees of Jesus. And he's broken. And Jesus, it's crazy, man. Jesus, you remember what he told him before all of this? He says, Peter, when you turn back, go strengthen your brothers. Well, this is where the strengthening comes. This is where the, where the strengthening for him comes. Jesus asked Peter a question. He says, Peter, do you love me? Peter gathers himself. He says, 
Yeah, Lord, you know I love you. He said, feed my lambs. They eat a little bit. He says, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, you, I, I love you. He said, then feed my sheep. There's an awkward silence. And then Jesus asked him a third time, Peter, do you really love me? And Peter starts weeping again. And he says, Lord, you know all things. I love you. He says, then feed my sheep. See, I've said this before, but it's worth saying again. What you cannot hear is lost in translation. Because when Jesus asked Peter those three times, he asked him three different things. He said, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter says, Lord, I phileo you. Agape is an unconditional love that is loyal love. It never gives up on people. It loves people unconditionally. You will die for a person when you express agape love. You'll give up your life for that person. That's agape. That's what Jesus did for us. But Peter says, I phileo you. What is that? That's conditional love. That's love as long as things are going good. That's love because we got something in common. But it's not a die for you love. And so Jesus says, interesting. So he asked him a second time. He says, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter says, Lord, I phileo you. And then Peter, then Jesus he does something radical. He asks him the third time, he says, do you phileo me? And Peter realizes that Jesus has just dropped his expectation for where Peter is spiritually, to meet him where he's at and say, I know you don't love me like you said you do, but I'm going to give you another chance anyway. Spiritual maturity is recognizing that people don't love you like they say they do. But you see some good in them, and you like, I'm, I'm going to stick with you till you grow to the level where you need to be. I'm going to give you trust, Peter, to watch over my sheep. I'm going to give you trust, Peter, to lead all of these apostles and all of these disciples. As a matter of fact, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came into the room, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they accused him of being drunk because they were speaking in other languages, and it was Peter who came out and preached to the crowd, and then that day, 3,000 people got saved because of Peter's preaching, but this is the same Peter that let Jesus down and denied him, and Jesus says, even though you're not where I want you to be in this season, I'm going to trust you and let you back in my circle even though I know you don't love me like you say you do. How many times has God given you responsibility and influence even though he knew your love wasn't here? It was right here. And if God can give us room to grow, God, as his disciples, as his followers, yeah. why can't you give people a chance when they fall, they're broken, and they repent? Uh -huh. yes, yes, right. I hope y'all heard me today. Yes. I hope y'all heard me. There's two different instances now. Who's going to watch my back? The disciples watch Jesus back. He says, because y'all have been with me in my trials, you're going to sit with me at the table one day. 
But then he says, all y'all, I'm praying for all y'all though, because all y'all gonna fail me. But Peter, when you turn back, I feel the Holy Ghost. Then watch this, you can't control what everybody else does, but you can control what you do. And so in this season of pandemic, while we're distanced from one another, while we are scattered from one another, and Satan has asked permission to sift you, do you have enough strength to come back after you've fallen down? Do you have enough strength to come back and say, my bad. Yeah, I drifted for a minute, my bad. I let y'all down, my bad. I should have been there in ministry, my bad. I, I got delinquent in my giving, my bad. I, I, I really wasn't there to hold up the bloodstained banner. I wasn't there to help spread the gospel. I wasn't there to help feed the hungry. I wasn't there to help with youth ministry. I wasn't there to help with children's ministry. But I'm still here, I'm still online. I just been distant, forgive me. I wanna come back. And you know what I want to say when I see you come back? I love you. Come back. Come back home where you belong. We all make mistakes. We all fall short of the glory of God. How many, I can't tell you how many times I've let the Lord down. But the beautiful part is he picked me back up and said, Stacy, do you love me? Yeah, I love you more than I did last year. I love you more than I did last week. He said, then go feed my sheep. Even when I failed him, yes. even when I let him down. Yes. And I want to tell you, who, who, are the, who are the people that you need to forgive today? Come on now. Who are the people that deserve to come back because something's different about them? You can see their brokenness. And watch this. Who are the people that can't get back in your circle? You showed, me, you showed me how you valued me or devalued me. You betrayed me with intimacy. You brought people into a space I only trusted you with. I'm sorry. I forgive you, but that doesn't mean we have to be friends. I forgive you, but that doesn't mean I have to let you back close. But I'm so glad that when we fall short and we are truly repentant and broken and contrite and apologize and show fruits of repentance, there is room for reconciliation. Do you know that's what Jesus did on the cross? When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that he was reconciling the world back to himself. Jesus Christ demonstrated his love for us that even while we were yet sinners, and by the way we live, some of us helped to crucify him. Mm. Yes, sir. Lord, and when we as believers keep on deliberately doing wrong, it's like crucifying him again. And yet he still loves you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Father God, that somebody would get this today, that Father God, you have our back. First and foremost, God, you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. You have our back. You love us unconditionally. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That, Father God, I'm certain of. But Father God, where I need help is in my life, there have been people who have let me down and there have been people who have betrayed me. And Father, I pray that the bitterness doesn't get in me to the point where I don't trust nobody. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would heal those broken places, those, hurt, those hurting places, those wounded places, so that Father God, I can be healed enough to trust the right people again. God, I pray that you give me enough discernment from the Holy Spirit that I will know who does not deserve to come back in my space this year. Glory be to God. God, 
people come for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Help me to discern, Father God, when somebody's season is up in my life. Help me to discern, Father God, who's supposed to be in my life in this season. And so, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would reconcile right relationships in families, Father God, between husbands and wife uh, and wives who have experienced betrayal, whether it's through adultery or emotional adultery. Father God, I pray that you would heal husbands and wives. I pray, Father God, that you would help friends, Father God, who have experienced betrayal or let down. Father God, help them, Father God, if it's reconcilable, that you would allow brokenness to come into the hearts of the people that's necessary. Father, I pray, Father God, for leaders, Father God, who have people that they work with and, Father God, who have let them down or betrayed them. I'm praying that you restore their hearts so that their hearts will not grow cold. Offenses will come. Offense will come. People are going to hurt us, but Lord, please don't let our hearts grow cold by holding on to offense. Either we, we've got to forgive them and we have to release some people. We've got to forgive, invite some people back, and we got to forgive and let some people go. Give us the wisdom to know the difference. And then, Father, I want to pray about ourselves right now because somebody listening this morning recognizes that I have been Peter. I have been following Jesus from a distance. I have been warming by fires that compromise my allegiance to God. And Lord, I pray that if I have done anything to let you down or to hurt the people close to me, please forgive me. If I have shown up in a negative, toxic way, please forgive me. If I've participated in gossip and tearing down my leader or my spouse or my best friend, God, please forgive me because I am human and I am prone to mistakes. God, I pray that you'll restore me and help me to be stronger and more mature and wiser as I go forward so I can be a good steward over the relationships you have put in my life. Thank you, God, for restoring me. Thank you, God, for trusting me, even though you know I'm not where I should be. But I thank God I ain't what I used to be. We love you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, today... If you really heard God speak, you heard the Holy Spirit speak to you about where you are in your life and who's supposed to be in your life and who ain't, my prayer for you today as you take inventory of your relationships, that you really go a little bit deeper than the surface. Because sometimes we're trying to hold on to stuff that God wants to let loose. And then sometimes we block relationships because our narrative has been, nobody has my back but me. That's the old narrative that you need to tear up because Jesus loves you unconditionally and he will never let you down. And he's going to send some people that you can risk relationship with and trust even though they're not perfect. Because guess what, baby? Neither are you. Can we give God praise today for this word? Amen. God bless you. Thank you all. Listen, if you want to be a part of this spiritual family, we're not a perfect family, but we are working on ourselves. We are pressing. Paul says, not that I have obtained all of this, not that I have been made perfect, but one thing I do is to forget those things which are behind me and press to take hold of what Christ has taken hold of me. When I'm preaching, I want y'all to know that I'm preaching to me. Some people come up to me, you were preaching about me, you were talking about me. No, 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 baby. A sermon is just a preacher talking to himself loud enough for other people to hear. And so I want you to know 
that if that was you today and you're like, I'm ready to head in a new direction. I wanna, I wanna close the gap between me and Jesus. I want to be a part of a, of a healthy functioning family that is working towards healing and wholeness, then New Direction is the place for you. And we're not a perfect church. Don't come if you're looking for a perfect church because we're not that. But we are a hospital of people who are trying to get it right and we would love to, to be in relationship with you and to help you to get where God's trying to take you. So if that's you and you want to join this spiritual family, you can text New D Join to 63566. Text New D Join to 63566. And I want to thank you again for the seeds that you're sowing in good ground. We're able to help the least of these. We're able to help feed folk. We're able to help minister to people's brokenness and, and help people with their mental wellness through our counseling center because you sow seeds in good ground. And so right there at the bottom of the screen, there's four ways that you can give to continue this great work that's going forward across the internet. Have I told you lately that I love you and I appreciate you? Thank you for, for tuning in today and stopping by this broadcast. And if this message has helped you in any way, please don't keep it to yourself. Share this with somebody that needs it. Love you guys. I'll see you soon.